Welcome to part two of this out-of-line discussion with Brandon Harvey. So um, so tell me a little bit about your history of social media. Like I know you said in your discussion episode that you have often been someone who shares about yourself um, online pretty honestly and have for a long time. Um, I think you said since you were 15. So can you tell me sort of a little brief timeline of Brandon Harvey's online life? I guess I got started with social media back in the MySpace days. And I just remember being really excited and interested in how I could make my profile look really cool. And I had learned all of the HTML coding and um, I was I was all in on that. And that was maybe where I started being intentional about the things I put out in the world. But I was you know, probably in junior high or early high school. Um, and it wasn't until I joined Twitter in 2008 that I really started thinking about what I was putting on the internet. And I, I deeply admired this author and this, uh, this photographer, who I guess I'd followed on MySpace. And they said that they were going to go and live tweet Obama's inauguration. And I was like, I want to see Obama's inauguration from their point of view. Like in my mind, I was way more interested in seeing somebody that I knew from the internet experiencing this historic moment than I was watching it on TV. And mm. I think that says something about social media that, you know, that's the beautiful thing about it is we get to see everybody's perspectives on issues instead of just the issues. It's also probably one of the problems of the internet, but it's, it's really, really fun. And so I joined Twitter for that reason. And I remember that was back when I was maybe in high school getting started as a photographer. I remember starting to connect on Twitter and then on Flickr with other 15, 16, 17-year-old photographers from around the country. Because I grew up in this small little hometown where we didn't, I didn't know anybody else that was an ambitious photographer who wanted to, you know, maybe be a professional photographer or at least, you know, do something bigger with art. And so I couldn't find that community in my small town. So I turned to the internet and randomly started stumbling across some people. And it's wild because I'm still friends with at least half of those people today. Like we still keep in touch. We see each other from time to time. Like we've flown out to visit each other. We just formed this really cool, genuine connection online because we were all in a similar place. And that's the other beautiful thing about social media is the way that we can connect with people who are like us, who are not near us. And that's something that is so unique to this generation. Never before in history have you been able to do that. You know, and that's why, you know, if, if you read any Seth Godin, he talks about this. But decades ago, um, you could walk down the street and be like, hey, did you see the movie this week? Or did you see the TV show last night? And people would know what you're talking about. But if I said that to you today, you know, all of a sudden there's there's thousands of shows that probably aired last night across a variety of different mediums for every single niche kind of person. And mm. no longer is the niche that you belong to or the community you belong to defined by your physical proximity, but it's it's about just your interest. And social media allows you to connect with those people. And so, you know, join Twitter, 
was was just connecting with people who shared my values and interests of using art and creativity to make a difference in the world. And that gradually led to Instagram when I got an iPhone. You know, it wasn't available for Android yet, which is what I had before. And then I got the first iPhone on Sprint and um, I I joined Instagram and, and I started to use that in the same way. Instagram for me was a tool to tell stories of this new experience I was having because I had moved to uh, I had moved from small town Pullman, Washington to the exact opposite city, Portland, Oregon. And I, my whole life felt different. And I was like, I'm going to document this experience. And so I started doing that on Instagram and um, gradually built a following just by kind of doing that in a unique way, using long form captions to tell stories. And, um, you know, I just got attention from the right people on accident. And it led to me gaining a good amount of followers. Um, there was a short stint a while after that where I became one of the top Snapchatters on the internet, um, which is a very fun and random uh, time in my life that is no longer a part of my life. But two years in a row, I was nominated for uh, a Shorty Award for Snapchatter of the Year. And year one, I lost that to, uh, I think, Kylie Jenner. And then year two, I lost that to DJ Khaled. And so um, if if you're going to lose Snapchatter of the Year to anybody, like DJ Khaled and Kylie Jenner are the people to lose it to. Um, and then I guess since Snapchat, since Snapchat, you know, jumped back on the world of Instagram and just I've really focused on trying to tell stories of the good in the world. And uh, it's been a really, really fun place to just be vulnerable and connect with my community that, you know, I think shares these same values and they're so amazing and I love them. Um, and then I guess I went from that to, uh, to creating an actual newspaper, which is the exact opposite of social media. Um, but the whole thing altogether has been, um, I don't know, social media has, has been a huge part of my life and I'm so thankful for the connections I've made. Oh, I forgot one really important part. I met my wife on Twitter. There we go. That's that's the main reason that social media is amazing. I met my wife on Twitter. There we go. I'll end it with that. Wow. Met your wife on Twitter. I guess <laughs> I didn't even know that. That's that's a big deal. And you're actually yeah. not the first guest that I've had on that met their one true love um, on social media. So Amazing. I mean, it, it it's works. It's just 21st century romance at this point. Yeah, total romance. So, um, so tell me more about that. What year did you guys meet on Twitter? We met in, so honestly, I think that we crossed paths in high school on Twitter. So I think that, I think that the timeline worked this way in like 2010 or 2011, she, one of my mutual friends, actually one of those photographers I was talking about who was, uh, who is around my age who lived in, I guess he lived in Tennessee. He retweeted my now wife, Sammy, because, um, Sammy's ex-boyfriend was, uh, my friend's brother. And so we had this weird connection and he just retweeted her and it was a tweet that I connected with and thought was interesting. And, you know, I thought that her tiny little circle profile picture looked cute. And I was like, this girl's interesting. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna follow her, you know, get to know her. Um, and that was kind of how Twitter worked back in the days. Just like you follow people that you see on your feed. And 
And so we never talked. Like, she, I think she followed me back. And then years went by. I think I even unfollowed her in that time. Just, you know, not because of, I know it's terrible. Not because like I was like, oh, I'm going to unfollow this person. But just because like if, if, for example, a random stranger on the street tweets eating pizza with my friends tonight, that's, it, it has no connection to me except mm-hmm. like you know that they're a human being um, <laughs> but if my best friend from high school who i don't see all that much if he tweets oh i'm eating pizza with my friends tonight i'm pumped i'm excited i'm replying dude have fun eating pizza with you know like it's it's his connection and so she would tweet things like that like any human does but i just didn't have a paradigm for that because i didn't know who she was and mm. so um and so we kind of just lost touch Years later in high school, I got a Facebook or sorry, years later in college, I got a, uh, a Facebook message from her. So we've already jumped to a new social network and it was just like a sweet, kind, encouraging message. And it's very much her character to just be kind and encouraging and thoughtful and to notice little details that others don't notice. And um, I was like, who's this girl? This girl's amazing. Almost forgetting that I had unfollowed her at some point in recent <laughs> years. And uh, we just started talking back and forth. And she was actually getting ready to move to Europe and um, uh, to study for a little bit. And I was like, oh, crap. I've seen Lizzie McGuire movie. I know that she's going to meet Paolo or something. If she goes to Europe, I've got to make a move. Like, I've got to be intentional. And so uh, I said, hey, before you leave for your trip, do you want to, you know, Skype maybe and, and get to know each other a little bit? And so we had a, a really nervous Skype session. Like I just remember being sweaty with nerves, hopping on Skype to talk with her. And uh, it went great. It was a great Skype call. And she flew out, you know, a week or two later to live in Vienna and uh, we just kept on Skyping here and there with like really weird time zone differences and tweeting back and forth and sending each other long love letters on Facebook Messenger. And um, eventually when she was coming back to the States, I asked her if I could buy a plane ticket to come out and see her. And uh, we've been buying plane tickets ever since. And we did long distance for three and a half years of flying between Portland, Oregon, where I lived in Nashville, Tennessee, where she lived. Um, and, uh, and then we got married a little bit more than two years ago. So it's, it's been, it's been such a wild ride and we're very thankful to, um, have a, a real life in person relationship. That's not, uh, social media and airplanes. Oh, <laughs> mm. I love, that's a great, that's a great little romance story. Thank Are you, you guys, do you guys, uh, plan to, sell your screenplay to uh netflix anytime soon (laughs) oh my gosh maybe we should i feel like if we don't sell it soon then it's going to be it's kind of like saying oh like we met on friendster we met on my like it's going to be so dated at one point it'll be um okay so your mom and i met on this social network where oh you remember you remember reading about donald trump in your textbooks um it was the thing that he kind of got big on and then he like threatened nuclear war like we met on that on that place like it's not gonna have any context for anybody years down the road oh my gosh all right well then act act fast (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. So, so since you guys met online and you both are online and so much of your work is online, um, two questions. One, have you always been self-employed? Um, I know you're a photographer, you have a newspaper, you have a website, you have a podcast, you're a bit of a, a jack of all trades, um, or shall we say a serial entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> but also the other question is um, how, what percentage, going back to your data, what percentage of your life is offline? Yeah, great question on both counts. I have been super fortunate to basically always work for myself. Um, and that's, you know, that comes from a place of absolute privilege. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity to, to essentially live my life centered around things that I'm passionate about um, and create things for others based on those passions. Um, there was one year or maybe like six to nine months where I was just this broke college student trying to fly back and forth between Nashville and Portland to see my girlfriend. And I was like, I am running out of money. There are not enough people who want to pay me for stuff. And so I took a job running social media for a makeup artist magazine, an, a magazine for makeup artists. And I learned a lot about makeup and got to apply my, my interest and passion for social media doing that for a while. And I helped them launch a few new accounts and get things up and running and, um, they're still doing great to this day, um, but that was a really, really fun time. Um, but aside from that, I basically always gotten to work for myself, um, which has some weird, tricky things. And I know in you know the other conversation we talked about how I started keeping track of my data to to understand um, how my productivity was going and. For years, you know, I just worked out of my bedroom. You know, I would just sit there and and work literally all day. I'd wake up in the morning, whatever time I woke up, and I'd sit at my computer and do things until I fell asleep. And I would take some breaks to go eat burritos because there was a really good burrito place like a block down from my house. But besides that, I was working all day. And um, there was a time where I realized this is not productive. Like I'm not getting as much done as I could, and I'm I'm losing out on on my opportunity to live a life. And, uh, and so that's when I actually started working, uh, outside of my home. I joined a co-working space and I just enforced really strict rules. I said, I work from nine o'clock to five o'clock and any time that I, or, or really more accurately, like eight o'clock to five thirty is, mm -hmm. is what I try to do. And sometimes I'll have some nuance around that, but, um, you know, I work during that time. And when I get home, I, I don't work. And, you know, sometimes it means I'm, I'm posting something online or I'm, I'm sharing things, but usually my goal is to write those things during the day. So I'm literally just hopping on to post something and then, you know, maybe respond to some comments or something here and there, but only out of a sense of joy, not out of obligation. And that has made a huge difference for me in spending my work time, which is largely internet based just like during normal working hours. Um, I've been way more productive during that time. I, I get way more done during that time than I did when I spread it out throughout the whole day because it, it forces me to be a little bit more intentional and focused and driven. Um, and then it allows me to also feel more rested and 
um, happy when I'm at home. I, I really get to enjoy the time I spend with my wife and my friends and going out. Um, and then I show up at work the next day, energized and ready to go. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that's, it's been really nice for me to set those boundaries for myself. Um, and of course, you know, if I'm doing something cool at night and I want to share it on my story, you know, I'll do that. But I, you know, I've even tried to be really intentional about almost never posting things live, at least not immediately live on social media. So like if I'm out with friends and something funny's happening, I'm like, oh, I've got to post a boomerang of this. I'm going to record the boomerang, but I'm just going to hit the save button. And then when I get home or something, I'll, I'll re-upload or I'll upload it at that point. And realizing that I don't have to put every single moment on the internet as it's happening has been hugely beneficial for me. And it really does allow me to work within, you know, confines that I've already determined. Um, it's, it's been really good for my mental health and my relationships. Hmm. Hmm. I love it. Do you and your wife have any sort of boundaries that you follow in terms of phone use in your home or rooms that you don't use your phone in or, or hours of the day that you put your phones away? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, one thing is we just don't have any phones in our bedroom. So we just, we keep our phones charged outside the room. I think it's better for your sleep anyway. In fact, I probably have data to back it up. And um, it's, that's been really, really nice for us to just have a place where we can go and we're like, oh, like we are free from push notifications. We're free from distractions. And then the rest of it is just, it's a lot of communication, you know? So it's, it's me and Sammy saying, hey, like, let's watch this movie that we're both interested in and let's not use our phones during this. Or we'll be like, Hey, let's watch friends. You know, we watched this show 10 times already. Let's, <laughs> we can use our phones while we do this. You know, it's, it's just trying to be communicative about what those boundaries are. Um, and when it's okay, because we we're not trying to go Amish. Like we're not trying to completely unplug. Um, we're just trying to be intentional and, and more than anything on the same page. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's more a bummer when one person's on social media and the other person isn't than when we're both on social media, you know, it's, we can still cuddle on the couch and enjoy each other's presence while we're using our phones to do things like it's, that's way more fun than, you know, using our phones to do things while we're not cuddling on the couch. Um, but we just have to make sure we're on the same page. Otherwise it, it's very one-sided. Um, and I think we, we're really intentional about that, especially when we're with friends or we're out with people. Um, and yeah, I, I, but more than anything, I think it's just uh, intentional conversations about what our needs or desires are for the evening or for the day or for the hour. Hmm, I like that. Just kind of checking in with each other, getting permission, um, you know, uh, also my, with Jaden and I, we, we go through seasons and phases of having our phones outside of our room. And then sometimes they're inside our room, but it's also that thing of like, okay, just a second, I'm just going to do this one quick thing. And then you'll have my attention rather than it being like, oh, well, three hours just went by and we're both just mindlessly scrolling on our phones. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. And even I think just knowing what your goals are when you hop on your phone is really helpful. If you're like, oh, I'm going to check and see if that email came in. Like, that's great. But going through after that and then also checking all the other ones, that's where like I start to have problems with myself. And so 
And sometimes, like, my wife is so amazing and she's so sweet and she'll just be like, hey, did you do the thing that you wanted to do? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. Like, the rest of this is is arbitrary. And mm. it, it's kind of nice to just have someone to check in with me when I forget to check in for myself. <laughs> Especially if she's good and can do it with love and kindness rather than yeah, making you feel defensive. Yeah. <laughs> she sounds amazing. So I am uh, partnering with Cat Footwear for this podcast, and um, I love working with them. They are big supporters. They're also huge advocates for small town people who make big dreams happen, and they really do, um, really do trust creativity and trust risk taking. Um, so I, I love them for many reasons. And I know that you have started lots of new things in your day and you haven't even been going for that long. So I can't wait to see what else you create. But um, can you tell me about a time maybe when you were taking a big risk um, with one of your projects or businesses and maybe something that you use to support you in kind of keeping uh, keeping up with just putting one foot in front of the other, you know, when you're, when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, is this even going to work? Am I crazy? Is, are people going to, you know, actually fund whatever the project is that my GoFundMe is for? Or am, if, am I really going to be able to travel to this country to do this shoot when I literally don't even know where I'm going? Um, you know, those sorts of stories. Can you share one with us and let us know what you use to ground you and to support you in, um, just really being bold in your creativity? Yeah, great question. Um, the first thing that came to my mind when you asked that question was when we launched our Kickstarter campaign for the good newspaper, I guess it was exactly a year ago last week. And it was this dream that I had had to create this, this project because I thought that in the time that we're in today, it mattered. It mattered to celebrate the good in the world. It mattered to uh, to focus on creating solutions to problems and, and empowering people to become activists for the issues that they care about or they, they may come to care about. Um, but I also knew that because we were taking a really intentional approach that involved people having to do work and, and maybe involved talking about heartbreak and injustice and and things that weren't happy, you know, it, it's a good newspaper, but it's, it's focused on injustice and creating solutions. And I was like, I just don't know if people are, are going to be on board with this. Like, I think that what people want is happy and we're trying to give them homework. And, uh, and I thought that it was really important, but I just wasn't sure if people were going to resonate with it. And so what I did was, um, I literally hired a person, the first person I ever hired. Uh, her name was Katie, and she's amazing at helping people launch things. She's like a consultant and a coach. And um, I hired her to tell me no on all the other things that I would, all the other ideas that I would come up with that, uh, that I was considering uh taking on, you know, to kind of distract me from making this thing happen and to help guide me to actually succeed in this goal I had. And it was a little bit scary hiring a person and paying a person because I, uh, I didn't have a lot of money to begin with, but I think two things happened. One, just the intentionality that went into actually hiring her and taking that action really put 
like a fire under me where I was like, oh my gosh, I've actually got to do this. Uh, but then the other thing was, you know, she really helped me organize my thoughts and organize my, uh, my goals and all the things, all the steps that it took to accomplish this dream. You know, I had this grand vision for where I wanted to go, but I wasn't quite sure how to get there. And she did a great job of mapping out and creating the steps to get to that point. And so, um, I think, I think that was one of the most beneficial things I did was to have another human, um, who was willing to kind of ride this with me. And, you know, for me, I, I was thankful to get to have a person that I hired who's a professional at this to help me do this. Um, but for so many other people, I'm sure it's just, um, a supportive partner or a friend or somebody who's been there before or a mentor, you know, it can be anything. Um, but having that person who, you know, your intentional relationship with them is, uh, centered around this particular project. Um, it's, it's a really cool thing. And I'm so thankful that I had that. I really don't know if we would have succeeded with out, uh, without having that person in my life. Mm. Mm. I love that you are willing to trust other people to support you with creating your dreams. Cause I think it is, uh, something that is a little bit counterintuitive for some people, it can feel like, but I don't, but I'm giving away like my baby or I need to micromanage this to control it, to make sure it goes a certain way. Um, and yet sometimes other people have strengths that I don't, or that you don't. And, and having those outside perspectives and support, um, can sometimes really make the difference between something succeeding and something not. Totally. Yeah. I, and honestly, I've still got a lot of that in me. Like I still have so much, like I've hired a few people since then, um, which has been wild. Like I cannot believe that I am a human who pays other humans, but I, I have a long way to go before I'm like fully able to hand over the reins. Uh, and so it's been a learning process, but Katie was my, my first try at that. And, uh, she was very gracious with me. <laughs> mm, sweet. I love it. What do you, uh, what do you do when you just need to chill and have self-care, self-care time, um, time to come down from work and time to just, uh, love on yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of self-care recently because I think oftentimes we think of self-care as reactive and, um, and I think it certainly should be, you know, if something big happens in your life you need to respond to that by taking care of yourself. So you're ready to, to take on that big thing. Um, but I have found it really helpful to be proactive, um, with my self care. And the way that I've done that is, um, is to schedule regular rhythms into my life for doing that. And so, um, one thing is that, uh, my wife and I have like a set date night every week on, uh, Wednesday nights. And if for some reason, like something that can't be moved comes up for that Wednesday night, then we just schedule it for that Thursday or Tuesday. You know, we do that every single week and it's so nice to have that guaranteed time where we're going to decompress and just spend quality time together. And that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, the other thing that I've done, uh, is that every single week, and this one's a little bit less strict than my time with my wife, but every single week I try to go out and see a movie and I've got a movie pass now. So I'm yes. basically going for free and it's amazing. But what I find is that my brain is just always going, it's always running. 
And I'm always sitting there like writing new ideas down or being like, oh my gosh, I should like talk to this person or that person. You know, like I'm just constantly going. And I found that it's really, really helpful for me to have two hours in a dark theater where if I pull out my phone, people are going to yell at me where (laughs) I just kind of have to shut off my brain and enjoy something. And I can't even, you know, I can't even necessarily fully do that at home when I've got a TV show or a movie on or even a podcast, you know, it's only at the movie theater is it really this place where you fully get immersed in an experience. And it's really, it's such a refreshing thing because at no other point in my day do I shut off my brain. And and I know that that maybe sounds bad because I think the critique of television and movies has always been like, oh, it's riding your brain. It's stopping you from thinking. But I feel like I often have the opposite problem. And so it's really nice to say, here's two hours where literally all I can do is just be a part of this experience. That is so good. Good one. I also have a movie pass, which is addicting. Oh, so good. Cause it is, it's like, normally I would be like, Oh, I don't want to see a movie. It's so expensive and it might be a bad one. And then I've wasted, you know, if Jaden and I both go, then we're suddenly it's like 40 bucks later. And, um, and, and now with the movie pass, we're just like, well, even if it's bad, it's free. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. I saw a hurricane heist the other day. Like I I've been seeing terrible, awful movies and you can enjoy them so much more when you are not paying any money for them. <laughs> yes. The best life. So good. So good. Um, now last question, what is something that you see yourself as having in common with everyone else on the planet? Hmm. That's a, that's a really good question. And oh my gosh, you know, you know, when I first got started as a humanitarian photographer, I got the chance to travel to all of these amazing places with nonprofits, helping them tell stories. And I had that very cliched experience of going to, you know, a slum in India or a village in Africa or a city in Asia and saying, um, wow, like these people are just like me. Like we have the same hopes and dreams and, you know, we all just want an education and we want the people in our lives to be healthy. And, you know, this mother reminds me of my mother and, uh, this kid is, is playing in the exact same way that, you know, I played when I was a kid and, you know, it feels a little bit cliche, but I've actually found that to be really interesting to think about in terms of, uh, the political climate where he, we're in here in the United States. I feel like um, it's really easy to other um, the people who disagree with me politically. Um, but I've gotten the opportunity to do a lot more work recently in um, you know rural communities around the country over the last year or two, where you know people don't share my life experience um, and therefore also don't share some of my same political values or, um, ethical values or whatever it is. Um, and you know, because of a product of our experiences, but it's been so nice to realize the exact same thing that like, oh my gosh, we all just want like our, we all just want like a good education for ourselves. We want the people in our lives to be happy and healthy. Uh, and you know, we want to find entertainment or like, you know, go see a movie. Like we, we all have these like things that are in common. And so, um, 
I don't know if that even like technically answered your question because uh, I just said that we have things in common, but nothing specific. But for like, it's been really, really helpful for me to, you know, not just see that with people that maybe I othered growing up, you know, people abroad, but now with people that I, I maybe inadvertently other today. Um, and so I don't know, I could redo mm. that if I totally missed the question. No, you totally didn't. I think I think that um, I relate to you in the fact that I have done a lot of traveling. Um, I've done I've been to all seven continents and I've done a lot of work as well with different nonprofits. And the more that I have traveled and experienced other people, the more that I've also been like, oh, wow, we're like so, so, so similar. And I wouldn't have realized that if I hadn't gotten to know you. Um, and that's part of why. I love this question and I love hearing your answer and others answers um, because there are so many things that we have in common and um, focusing on those things really allows there to be greater empathy, understanding, and to remove that sense of other um, the more that time goes on. So thank you for sharing. That's amazing. Yeah. And and actually, as you were speaking, I, I thought of one more thing. I feel like one of the biggest things that unites everybody that I meet is that our extremes are the same. Like our, the pain that we feel when we have loss or heartbreak, like that looks the same in any language. And then the utmost joy that you have, like the, the beautiful, hopeful experiences you have, you know, laughter looks the same across the board. Um, and those are, I think the things that we all connect with the most, you know, mm. I think those are the things that I, I feel most connected to my friends that, you know, I've seen them in their lowest moments. And, you know, obviously I hit it off with people first because we see each other in a high moment. We see each other laughing uh, around something. And um, that's something that I've had happen everywhere I've, I've gone in the world. Like there's never been a place where I've been where I didn't get to uh, peek into somebody's pain or, or see somebody uh, experience joy. And it's so nice. The more that you travel, the more you're like, oh, this rule applies always. Mm. Mm. I love it. I buy it. I love, I it. love it. Thank you. It was so great to chat with you. And I hope that the next time you're in L.A., we can grab uh, Frosty. I don't even eat yes. Frosties, but it was the first thing that felt right to say. Oh, I think a Frosty sounds great. You've been listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee. Tweet me at Team Woodnote or tag me in your posts on Instagram using Out of Line Podcast and let me know what you thought of today's discussion and who you'd like to hear as a guest on Out of Line next. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya?